Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, it's Tuesday, April the 18th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. We've got some crime news to start off today and a court has heard how a police officer failed to confront a man who was setting a restaurant alight in Margate. Now, the officer was driving past GB Pizza Company, which was destroyed in the blaze last October, but thought the suspect was lighting a fire to stay warm. Now, 48-year-old Andrew Miller from Eaton Road has admitted arson and been jailed for four years. Elsewhere, it's been revealed a Rainham mum was stabbed to death by her son following failures to manage his mental health problems. Leslie Spearing was attacked by Jamie Burnett at her home on Oastview in October 2019. A court case was told the 29-year-old had suffered from schizoaffective disorder. Now, a coroner's heard how a treatment plan had not been implemented effectively. A fourth man is due in court accused of murdering a man in Canterbury. 51-year-old Guy Levy was found in a multi-storey car park on Castle Street last Monday. A 50-year-old from Thannington was charged over the weekend. Three others appeared in court yesterday and a trial date has been set for October. A man's appeared in court charged with manslaughter following the death of another man in Strood. 35-year-old Sazenbacco from Maidstone is said to have been attacked near Cuxton Road last November. A 38-year-old from Glasgow denies killing him and is expected to claim self-defence when he goes on trial in September. Now, there are calls to restore a war memorial in Ashford, with one military enthusiast calling it tatty, shabby and unloved. The British Mark IV tank sits in St George's Square after being gifted to the town way back in 1919 when the community raised money to support the war effort. But a lack of maintenance over the last 100 years has left it in a pretty poor condition. In fact, a conditions survey, which was carried out in 2020, found the landmark is at risk of collapse within the next 20 years. John Harris wants the council to step in. It saddens me as a local. I think it's a real asset for the town um, and I've just found recently it seems to be looking quite shabby and tatty and a little bit unloved. Ideally I'd like um, the rusting that's visible on it to be addressed and paints peeling in places so it'll be nice to see it repainted and just preserved. It's been here for 100 years so it would be nice to see it preserved for another 100 years. I'm into military history, so it means a great deal to me as a registered war memorial. I visit quite regularly, I bring friends here, um, and I think it's a real asset to the town. Uh, This tank's unique. There are a few Mark IVs remaining in the world, but this is the only one of 265 presentation tanks that were awarded to towns after the Great War that remains in situ. It drove up here in August 1919 and here it is 100 years later, it's the only one of the 265 that remains in situ. It was driven up from the station by a tank corps crew. Um, The chap who commanded the crew won a military cross in a big battle at Cambrai in France, which saw the first mass use of tanks. So although this tank wasn't directly involved in the Great War, it was a training tank. Um, It never saw action as such. The crew that brought it up here would have done I'd like to see it tidied up and preserved, to be perfectly honest. I think uh, it's a legacy that we've inherited, and I think 
we should look after it and pass it on to future generations. And you can see pictures and video of the tank today by heading to the website. Kent Online News. Kent's unemployment rate is continuing to rise with another 320 people claiming out-of-work benefits in February. That takes the total to about 37,850. The jobless rate has also increased nationally with another drop in vacancies. Figures show pay has gone up but is still lagging behind inflation and Paul Novak, who's head of the trade Union Congress says families are struggling. They're seeing their real incomes being eroded year after year. This is a thick end now of a decade or more of stagnant or falling wages, the biggest squeeze on wages in over 200 years. And the government has signally failed to do anything that will get people's wages rising again. An inquest has been launched to try and identify a man whose body was found near Ashford. The remains were discovered by a member of the public in Isaac Wood near Kingsnorth earlier this month. A Gillingham man's appealing court after driving slowly across three major roads while double the legal alcohol limit. The 31-year-old was seen by police on the A2, the A282 and M25 in Dartford and they noticed he didn't overtake or move to the nearside lane. He's been banned from driving for nearly two years and ordered to pay more than £850 in fines and costs. A dad from Maidstone says he's been left in agony after his hospital appointment was postponed because of the recent junior doctor's strikes. Michael Howard started suffering from a pain in his hip seven months ago and after several scans was finally due to be seen last week. He's had to quit his job as a driving instructor and is struggling to help his wife with their nine-month-old daughter. NHS bosses say they had to prioritise emergency care during the walkouts. A lorry has crashed into a wall amid traffic chaos following the closure of the A226 Galley Hill Road after a cliff collapse in Swanscombe. Now, the HGV was trying to do a U-turn at the junction of Snowdon Hill when it crashed through the front of a property yesterday. A burst water main caused part of the carriageway to slip away last week. As you may know, diversions are in place, but people living there have been critical of how the situation is being handled. Repairs are expected to take months and yesterday it was declared a major incident. Next on the podcast and our reporter Rhys Griffiths has been investigating the former St Augustine's Hospital near Canterbury to mark 30 years since it closed. It opened in 1875 and at one time was known as the East Kent Lunatic Asylum. During the time it was running it was home to thousands of patients suffering a range of mental health disorders. Rhys has been chatting to Lawrence White who arrived at St Augustine's in Chatham in 1972 to begin a career in nursing which would span five decades. He's been sharing his memories. It was a you know tremendously kind of social time as well as a, a as a learning time. It was very hard. It was a 42 hour week. It was a three shift system of uh, you know you did a week of mornings followed by a week of afternoons and then at some point you were put on nights. And, um, yeah, and you were expected to be a full-time employee, you know. So uh, there was no time other than the time you spent in the School of Nursing for learning. That was done in your own time. It was paid, not very much, but uh, it was paid. And most of the nurses who were in training lived in hospital residencies. Um, but other, others of us who were local travelled there. There was a, an independent bus service that ran just to the hospital and back, um, and that fitted in with the shift time. So uh, you could, you know, you could get there for seven o'clock in the morning to the start of the shift, and then uh, back in the evening if you needed after nine. 
Um, it was intimidating. Uh, the work was hard work. There was a lot of a lot of physical hard work, just in terms of people's personal care. There wasn't a lot of uh, therapy. Um, it was very much kind of an institutional model. It was batch care. Um, and that was one of the underlying reasons for the inquiry there, that there wasn't really any individualized care for people there. Uh, they fitted in with what was done or not. Yeah. So it was very routinized. It was a lot of it was monotonous work. Uh, and, but it was within a good team, you know, and that's the thing that the impression that that I got that it, it was, you know, you were working with a team of people um, and uh, you could have fun, you know, you could have fun while you work. I mean, it is a big family run hospital as well. You know, there were generations of families that worked there and um, psychiatric care at the time was limited. I mean, the medication that was available was limited. Uh, the therapy that was available was limited. Uh, on some of the wards, the more acute wards where you had um, short-stay patients, there were some attempts at group therapy or individual therapy, but it was very rudimentary. It, it, um, and that certainly was an exception rather than norm because the majority of the patients were longer-stay patients who were unlikely to leave the hospital. You know, so... Uh, there was a, you know, there was a good standard of personal care, people being looked after, but there wasn't any therapeutic motive. You know, they weren't going to be discharged to music. I think in 1974, when I was there, they appointed the first community psychiatric nurse. Uh, so they had one community psychiatric nurse in 1974. And that was it for a long time. And there was a, you know, obviously there was a church there which performed uh, births, weddings and funerals and the graveyard attached to the church. And, you know, a lot of people from the hospital were buried there. And you can read Reese's report in full today on the website. Kent Online reports. There are calls for more lights to be switched off across Kent so we can appreciate the night sky. Visit Kent have done a study to mark Dark Sky Week and found two-thirds of us think more should be done to reduce light pollution and energy use. They've come up with a list of some of the best stargazing spots in the county, including Tunbridge Wells Common and Dungeness Reserve. Well, I've been chatting to Deirdre Wells, who's the chief exec of Visit Kent. Interestingly, and not surprisingly, people are very, very interested in it as, as an idea, um, but 75% of them said they've never been to a dark skies spot um, and slightly less than that thought, well, I'm not even sure where I would go um, nearby. So, um, but interestingly, I think it's probably um, a lot to do with the pandemic as well. 80% of people are saying that being outdoors is really good for my well-being. So um, I think there's a real opportunity here. Um, you know, we're a big county, we're a beautiful county. We've got lots of wide open spaces. Um, and actually, lots of our uh, businesses are already looking at what they can do to um, encourage more uh, dark sky um, activity. Um, there's a challenge around that as well, because um, obviously, um, one of the um, uh, issues is around light pollution. So um, what we're looking at doing is not only encouraging people to 
find those spots where they can just enjoy the um the beauty of the of the night sky but actually work with businesses to try and reduce light pollution which um not only obviously impacts the the, the great image that you would have but also can you disturb wildlife and and you know mess their own biorhythms as well so there's a lots that can be done and and no better time really at the moment than um than now because actually reducing light pollution reducing um energy use is not only the right thing to do sustainably, but also could have a real impact on on uh, businesses' uh, overheads as well. Yeah, absolutely, especially with energy prices right now. I mean, I, I suppose just just to say, well, switch off the lights would sound like a very simple solution. I'm sure it's not quite as easy as that, particularly in town centres, obviously, where safety is a bit of an issue as well. But are yeah. there pockets of Kent where you you really think we could do a bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we've put together a, a really comprehensive list. Um, um, so if you go on to the Visit Kent website, there's a whole section on stargazing, which lists the places. I mean, Dungeness is a classic, of course, you know, but there are places that you might not think of. So uh, Tunbridge Wells Common's got fantastic um, uh, night sky uh, opportunities. So places that may not be um, maybe close to urban environments, but actually you can get out quite quickly and, and and really explore the night sky. So we've got a full list of, of places. There's um, a company called Caracol Camping we've been working um, with who are really developing some really fun, cool, sustainable packages. Yeah, and I think when the Northern Lights were seen, weren't they, in um, in areas of on the Kent coast recently, I think that kind of sparked everyone's interest, didn't it, to think where well, you could see you know images absolutely. like that which normally we wouldn't see at all absolutely and there's been some fantastic meteor showers um uh, recently but you know even at the moment venus is very um very prominent anybody who's been out and about looking just in the last few few weeks will see in some amazing um night sky um uh you know i think and just i think that opportunity to be outdoors to just appreciate um the maybe the world from a different perspective i think is is fantastic so um yeah i'm i i think a great opportunity for us but also i think a really lovely um, experience for our visitors too. As I mentioned, Visit Kent have created a stargazing section on their website. It details the best places to check out the night sky across the county, so do head there to have a look. It's been announced a Roman Fortin Amphitheatre near Sandwich will reopen tomorrow after a huge revamp. At one point, Richborough was the main entry point to Britain from mainland Europe. A newly refurbished museum will display objects that have never been seen before, and there's an eight-metre reconstructed Roman gateway. A West Morling man has been reunited with his stolen bike, would you believe, after 27 years. Now, police were unable to find it when it was taken back in 1996, but it was recently flagged up on the DVLA system when someone tried to register it to a new owner. The vintage bike has been restored and returned to its original home. A Kent Cafe is proving to be a bit of a film and TV hotspot at the moment, with a cast of EastEnders, the latest to be seen filming there. The actors who play Lola Pierce-Brown, Amy Mitchell, Bailey Baker and Jay Brown were all seen at Wilds in Margate's Old Town. The popular spot was also used in the film Empire of Light and new TV comedy Dreamland. And this is our most read story on the website today. Andrew Garfield has been spotted filming at a co-op in Bexley. The Hollywood star was shooting scenes for a new rom-com over the weekend. It's thought to be called We Live in Time and also features Florence Pugh from Little Women. Managers at the store say they were sworn to secrecy so couldn't give us any more info but you can see some video of the action taking place by heading to Kent Online. Kent Online Sports. 
Football and top of the table, Leighton Orient are the visitors to Priestville tonight to take on Gillingham. A win for the Jills would secure League Two safety while the opposition could be promoted if they get a victory. Manager Neil Harris says it should be a pretty good game at their home ground, which has become rather a fortress. Yeah, brilliant. It's going to be a great atmosphere. You know, our fans are loving watching their team at the moment, especially here at Priestfield. Orient are coming the numbers because they can clinch promotion. So, cracking night, obviously, we don't want people to celebrate on our patch. We saw that last year, Rob, and that, that was that was hard to take. Um, but that's, that's not the main aim for us. Our main aim is um, to secure safety in the division, and we're very, very close to that now. Um, mathematically, it's not, but so, um, Harleyport have got nine points plus goal difference of so ten points. They're to gain on us with four games to go. Very, very tough to do. Um, and that's just one team being able to catch us. So, um, what I ask my players is to put in that level of performance again. And that level of performance is what they've continuously um, shown here at Priestfield since uh, the start of January. Orient want the ball, dominate the ball. Um, fast players, good on the counter attack, good on the counter press. Um, ask a lot of questions of you. Look, good, good football team. And I'm not being disrespectful to Orient when I say Stockport being the best team. Since November, Stockport have won more points than anybody and have maybe been the best team since then. Over the course of the season, the team at the top of the league that wins the league are the best team over the course of the season. So Orange going to be another real huge challenge. If they, they get promoted by hook or crook, that's, that's, that's fine. But I don't want them to come here and beat us on Tuesday to get promoted. So uh, for us, is to put in the same level of performance. Uh, the atmosphere will be great. Um, the fans at Priestfield, they respond to the opponent as well. So if they bring a big following, we'll get a good crowd. And, and it should be a really good um, semi-local derby. Um, but a lot of state for both teams. The Jills are currently 18th in League Two and nine points from the drop zone. Kickoff this evening is at 7.45. You'll be able to follow the match action at Kentall 9. Plus, we'll have reaction to the result in bulletins on our sister radio station, KMFM, tomorrow morning. On to tennis now, and Kent's Emma Rajikanu is in action at the Stuttgart Open later. She's taking on Latvia's Yelena Ostapenko in the opening round this evening. The 20-year-old from Orpington is trying to put her injury troubles behind her as she continues the grass court season. And bosses at Blue Water have been given permission to build an indoor football air dome in one of their car parks. It'll include a full five-a-side pitch, plus food and drink area, shops and other games. There are plans to set it up temporarily for five years, but it means nearly 200 parking spaces will be lost near the cinema. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details on the top story direct your email each morning via the briefing and to sign up to that you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk news you can trust this is the kent online podcast